Morning. How are you? All right. Hey, good to see you. Y'all, some of y'all just scoot over. Hey, listen to you, Cliff. I'll just kind of come over in the middle. That's great. Well, it is great to see you. Uh, if you're visiting with us or uh, hadn't uh, been here and never heard me speak, my name's Donnie. I'm one of the other pastors here. Cliff is our pastor, and I've had the opportunity and uh, privilege to be able to speak to you the last couple of weeks and got one more next week, and then Cliff will, Cliff will be back, so y'all can put up with me for today and then next week, and that'll be awesome. I say I, I get to persecute you for the next two weeks, so isn't that awesome? I get to do it, I get to do it again, so that's great. Um, if you would, take your Bibles and go ahead and find the book of Second Samuel. It's in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with that. By the way, I don't, this thought just come to mind because I'm just going to say it because I've seen a couple people do it. I don't know how much you are in technology and you know what's going on, but there, there are some people in here who will actually read the Scripture from their iPhone or they'll have an a, um, iPod Touch or something that they actually have Scripture. Sometimes they'll take notes on those. Uh, they're not texting while we're preaching. All right, I've heard people. Oh, they they whoop that. They're texting while you're preaching. Some people that they just they've got their scripture on there. So if you see somebody whoop out an electronic device and over and you see them punching buttons, they're probably not texting somebody. And they might be, but I mean, chances are good. Hopefully they're following along with the scripture. So anyway, we're going to get to that in a minute. If you find Second Samuel, we're continuing our series about heroes, looking at um, at people who are we think of heroes of the faith in the Bible, and realizing that they were really just ordinary people, just like you and me. Now, they did some extraordinary things, but they did those not in their own strength. It's because God did those things through them, just like God can do things through you and me. And not only did they have strengths, but all of those heroes had some faults. And so we're, we're talking about both sides of those with the people that we've chosen to talk about to help us see that there are some great things that God had done, has done through them, but then there's also, like because they're normal, that they had faults and want to make sure that we point those out, not only to, to help us uh, understand that they were just normal folks, but also to learn from not only their strengths, but learn from their mistakes as well. And so today, we're going to look at David. We're going to talk about David and look at some things that were a part, that was a part of his life. But if I were to ask you, um, you don't have to say anything out loud this time, of course you can if you want to, but if I were to ask you, uh, what are you passionate about? You know, what is, what is something that you're really passionate about? And I've asked that question, and sometimes I even think in my own life, that's, sometimes that's a hard question to answer. And when I've asked people, they'll, they'll mm, gosh, you know, I don't know, that's a strong word. <laughs> I'm not sure that I can answer that. And maybe, maybe you can throw out a few things, and you would think of what you're passionate about. But just when we think about uh, what are we passionate about, what are the things in our lives that we would consider uh, to be a, something that was a passion in our lives. Well, today we're going to look at David. We're going to look at a passion that he had, and that was his, his passion for God. It was real evident in the things that were a part of David's life. So we're going to look at David's life and talk about his passion. So look at Second Samuel. I'm just going to start off by reading this whole section of Scripture. It's several verses, um, but it's, uh, it's good stuff, and I want to kind of put everything in context. So Second Samuel chapter 6. Starting in verse 12, and I'm going to go through verse 23. Second Samuel 6, starting in verse 12 through verse 23. Now King David was told the Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and, was, and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. 
When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted, fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. When David returned home... To bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would do. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me to rule over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now, you may have read that before. Maybe you're familiar uh, with that passage. But I want to talk to you a few things and look at how we can see David's passion for God and realized um, just kind of how he viewed God, what he thought about God, and the way that he acted before God to express that passion. One of the things that we see in the Scripture is that this ark that they're talking about is the ark of of God. It, It signified the very presence of God. And it had been away at this Obed Edom's house for about three months. If you go back and read the uh, before where I started, you'll see that they were trying to move the ark and God had given them specific instructions on how it should be done and some people tried to get a little ingenuity going on and they really disobeyed God and tried to make it a little easier to carry than it was supposed to and they ended up losing their lives because they touched the ark and God told them not to. So it, it kind of went to this guy's house for about three months and, and all of a sudden because it was there, the scripture says everything in his house, he was blessed. And so David says, hey, we need to get that thing back where it belongs. And so, so that's where, where we picked up where he went to start to go get this Ark of the Covenant and bring it back to the house. But we see how excited he was that, that this was going on, that the Ark was coming back to where it belonged, that he, um, the very presence of God, this ark, that he was excited that all this was going on. And the couple of verses there that we, that we read, it looked and seen that he was, he was excited. He danced, it says, with all of his might. That he was just very excited and, and danced with all of his might. Now, here's the key thing that I want us to look at this morning as far as David's life. I want us to focus in on his passion and, and what that meant to him. And as we can see that displayed in some of the things that he did. And uh, here's, here's something uh, that's very important. Look back in verse 14. Verse 14 says, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. 
Now, you might just kind of skip over that and say, okay, he was dressed and he had some clothes on and, you know, that's kind of a good thing. But here's the thing. Here's the thing you have to remember. David was the king, right? What do kings wear? They wear royal kind of stuff, right? They wear uh, purple and colors and kingly stuff, right? (laughs) I don't have any kingly. You know, I don't flip through my wardrobe. "Mm, What would be kingly today? I don't have anything in my wardrobe that would be kingly. But David did. David David was accustomed, I would imagine, as king every day, probably to have some people lay his clothes out for him and dress him, I would imagine. But he was accustomed every day to wearing the kinds of things that that would present himself as being the king of Israel. So the clothing that he normally would wear would be probably very extravagant, very detailed-oriented colors and bright so that when he was in the presence of people, there was no doubt amongst the crowd of people who the king was. So he was accustomed to doing that. This particular kind of garment, there's a couple of things that maybe uh, that, that it could represent or that it could be. And one of the things I think probably most commonly understood is that this was basically like a toga, all right? You ever wore a toga? It's just basically, basically kind of a sheet that, that may have hung down toward his knees or one thing said that it could have been something that was more like a, a vest kind of uh, that, that come down about mid-waist. But in, in any way that it looked, it was either one of two things. It was either something that was a common thing for priests to wear or it was just a common type of, it was a common type of robe that people would wear. Now, here's the important thing about that. This is the king, right? This is David. He's, he should be wearing stuff, right, to stand out. He's wearing this very, most likely, even if it was for the priest, it was something that was very common uh, for him to have on. He probably did not stand out in the crowd. He probably looked uh, similar to what a lot of other people had on, uh, pretty similar. So it would be probably hard to distinguish him, aside from the fact that he was turning around, jumping up and kicking his heels and dancing with all of his might, right? So this was, this was a common kind of thing. And I think by him wearing this, by him having this on, this was something that, that's very important to understand that what he was saying, I think, before God was, and to the other people, was, hey, it's just me. You know, the king stuff, I'm setting aside for now because you're the one who's made me king. And it's just me. I'm very common, I'm very normal, I'm very natural. God, I'm just transparent with you. It's, it's, it's just me. And so he's put on these clothing to kind of help understand that I'm just, a, I'm just a person. I'm the king, but I'm just a regular person. When he put that on, to let God understand that. So he wasn't concerned either about how he acted. Look in verse 20 through 23. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul. By the way, Michael, daughter of Saul, translates as David's wife. It doesn't say David's wife, but she's his wife. Okay? So when you read that. So when he returns home, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said, and I just love this. Can you hear the sarcasm, guys? <laughs> Ladies, I know you've never acted this. We've never seen anything like this, surely. And we've only heard about it by reading, that, reading it in Scripture and seeing it on movies and stuff. But, right, I I love this, you know, how the king has distinguished himself today, you know, like, uh, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls and of his servants as any vulgar fellow would do. Basically, she said, you dirty old man, you know, what were you doing out there taking your clothes off and disrobing and acting like just a common person in front of all these people and especially... 
in front of these slave girls. You're, you know, what are you, you're the king. You shouldn't be acting that way. You should be acting like a king. Kings don't dress like ordinary people. Kings don't just let go of everything and dance and shout and make a fool of themselves because they're excited about God. Kings should be reserved. Kings should know how to always look proper and act proper. I mean, she just, you know, that's kind of the whole concept, I think, behind this. So she really lays into him. And he says to her in verse 21, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord, basically, he tells her. It's before the Lord, and by the way, he's the one who appointed me king. Wasn't your daddy and none of your daddy's family, nobody else in the house. By the way, it was God who put me in this place. And, um, and so I'm going to celebrate before him. And then look in verse 22. And then I love this. <laughs> basically, he says this. If you think that was bad, watch this, y'all. <laughs> right? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, I'll become even more undignified than this, and I will humiliate, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. He's saying, hey, it's, go- you know, it's going to get so bad, I'm going to embarrass myself. I don't care about this. But then he says this. But as for those, uh, as for these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. I think that's pretty cool. I think probably, you know, I'm kind of reading in, into it, I would imagine. But just thinking of what that might mean is that, hey, these slave girls, they're not accustomed to seeing a king act like a normal person. They probably appreciated it. They probably appreciated the fact that God is so important to me that I'm willing to let go of this kingly stuff and recognize that he's the king and I'm going to celebrate before him. So he said, as far as them, they're going to be okay. But but I just love that. You know, you you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. I'm just going to, I'm going to get so crazy that I'm just going going to embarrass myself. So we can see his, we can see his passion in the way that he acted. We can see... Um, that, that what's going on in his heart is that he has this real love and this real desire to please God and to be with God. And we know the Scripture talks about him being a man after God's own heart. Now, look over in the book of Psalms. It's about midway in your Bible. If you're not familiar with turning there, look over uh, the book of Psalms. Look in Psalms uh, 139, verses 23 and 24. Now, think about, again, David. He's being just very real. He's being, being very transparent. That's what I'm going to talk about in just a few more minutes. Just his, his willingness to just be, be his normal self in front of God and everybody else. Didn't have to put on airs. Didn't have to put on a show. Didn't have to talk a certain way. Didn't have to dress a certain way. He's just basically laying out saying, hey, God, I am who I am. You know who I am. So I'm just going to be me. Now, a lot of the Psalms, and I've just picked out a few, but you can read through these Psalms and you can really see David's heart. And I want to point out a few things that helps us see his passion for God and how transparent that he is. Verse uh, uh, 23 and 24 of 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Just a desire to say, God, I don't want to hide anything from you. You search me because if I search myself, I'm liable to put some things in places that I'll pretend like they're not there. But God, if, if you search me, you'll do a thorough job and you will expose the things in me that should be exposed. So you search me. 
you test me. See if there's anything kind of crazy going on in me that's not pleasing you because I want to please you. I want to walk in your ways. Just hear and understand his passion. Look backwards in chapter 51 of Psalms. And I'm, I'm going to read all these verses to put everything in context. It's cha- uh, verses 1 through 12. And he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's pretty cool. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely... You desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You can just hear as David is pleading with God that I know that I'm basically no good. I'm a sinner. You forgive me. Blot this out. Cleanse me. Awesome scripture. Look backwards a few more chapters to uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. Now, part of being transparent with God is not only just telling God the good stuff that's going on, right? But to be transparent with God, David also had some complaints. He, he kind of let God, let God hold the bag for a little while. Then he kind of come through at the end. But David didn't mind just letting, letting God know how he felt. So look at, look at Psalms 13. And there are, are plenty more if you read through the Psalms, you'll see this. But David says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But... I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Isn't that awesome that David just, David just kind of lays it out before God? <laughs> hey, have you ever had those thoughts? How long is this going to go on, God? How long am I going to have to put up with this? How long am I going to have to stay here? When are you ever going to find me a job? When are you ever going to find me a new job? Because <laughs> I can't stand this one. How long am I going to have these feelings inside of me? So David, when when he was angry or when he was hurt or when he was happy or sad or you feel in the the emotion, whatever was going on in his life, and we can see that especially through the Psalms, he didn't mind just telling God what was on his heart. Now, I I shared this uh, a while back. I put something. I was trying to do a little blog thing for a while, and I just don't have what it takes. Sorry if you were one of the... Cliff has eight people reading his. I think I had three reading mine. So 
if you were one of the three that were trying to keep up with that, I just, I'm not a writer, I'm a talking, I might do a video blog, maybe I could say the words instead of write the words, but anyway, one of the things, we were having, um, we were having our uh, dinner one day, and as we do, we kind of go around the table, it's somebody's turn to pray, uh, and Jonathan likes to pray a lot, and at this particular time, he, that's my youngest son, he's five, and he, he was uh, praying, and we asked him to say the prayer, well, he's in school, and he's learning some stuff. We were having a prayer for the, for the meal, okay? And so it was his turn, and we asked him to pray, and so he started praying, and he'll, he'll, he usually just starts off, and he'll say, God is great, God is good, and then he'll say, God, you're the best, or you're the greatest. And then he said this, and God, we know that all the numbers to the left of zero are negatives, And, I, and we got tickled, you know, we kind of got tickled. I mean, but I'm, I, he didn't care that he was supposed to be praying for the food. He didn't care. And I thought, wasn't that cool? And here's what he was doing. There was some stuff going on in his life. And he was learning stuff at school. And he was kind of excited about it, I guess. And he just decided to share that with God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that really kind of the way we should be? Just, you know, there's stuff going on in our life. I think God wants us to share it with Him. He wants to help us. He wants to know. And it doesn't matter if it seems silly to some folks or unimportant to others or if it, at times, doesn't seem appropriate, like basically dancing around in your underwear like David was doing, pretty much. You know, I think God wants us just to be real and to be transparent with Him. And to share our hearts with Him. And you may be angry or you may be happy or you may be sad or whatever. And I think God just wants us to talk to Him about what's going on in our lives. I mean, it's not like He doesn't know. God knew Jonathan was learning that all the numbers to the left of zero were negatives. And God didn't go, oh, negative numbers. I didn't think about that. How are, you know, God knew all, all about that. But it was just a basic, just a simple conversation of, hey, God, this is cool. This is what's going on in my life. So that's, that's what I want us to look at for the next few minutes, is just think about that. that he, he, David's his strength was his passion. But here's the, here's the thing, and I've mentioned it a couple times, that is required, I think. If you and I want to have a passion for God, we really want to feel like that we have a, a, a passion for God. I mean, I can read through the Psalms, and I can look at some of the stuff David has done, and I can think to myself... One, I never danced in my underwear before God in front of a whole crowd of people. I don't think, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've never done that anywhere, right? I mean, for God, and I, I never, I, I've never, um, there are some psalms that David, when he's talking, I don't know that I've ever been that blunt at times and honest with God. And so I'm thinking, man, wouldn't it be awesome? Here's David, he's just got this passion for God and it doesn't matter. Here's the one thing, there are plenty, but the one thing I want to talk to you about this morning I think is really evident in his life and is the idea if we want to be passionate for God, we have to be transparent with God. We have to be transparent with God. We can't have this ongoing passionate relationship with God and desire to love Him and serve Him and all this kind of stuff if we're not being transparent with God. If in our prayers, when we pray, stuff's going on, but when we pray, we have to um, 
we have to hold our hands a certain way and we have to say certain words and we talk to somebody that we're calling God but we never let Him in on what's really going in on our hearts. That's not being real with God. Or maybe we know stuff's going on but when we pray to God, we choose to disguise it and pretend like it's not going on because we don't want God to think that we're angry with Him. Right? So I think we need to have that transparency with God. And there's two areas. One of them is prayer and the other one is worship. And uh, talk about worship for just a minute and I'll get back, to, uh, get back to prayer. To be transparent in our worship. It doesn't matter what people think. Now, worship is not only when you gather here on Sunday mornings at 1030, right? This is a time that we worship together as a body of Christ. But worship happens 24 hours a day, all day long, between you and God. Because if you're a Christian, because as a Christian, you have God who, who lives within you through the Holy Spirit. And so you take Him with you literally everywhere you go. There's not a place as a Christian that you can go that God's not with you. So worship should be that response of, of loving and caring that we have for God and this passion that we have for God. But if we're not, if we're not transparent with Him in our worship, we're not going to have that passion. For instance, let's just say coming here together, all right? Let's say that you come here and as, as you're worshiping, as things are going on and, and you're feeling like, man, I just, need to, I just need to get my hands up and I just, need to, I just need to praise God. But you're thinking, but I, I don't know. Somebody over there might think I'm being a little extra religious or something and I better not do that. That's not being transparent with God. It's saying, hey, God, I know I want to do this. But I'm not going to because I'm afraid of what somebody would think. David, I, again, David, David, when he told his wife, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. You thought that was embarrassing? Wait until you see what else I'm going to do. If you're worried about what somebody else is going to think, you ought to raise them up, turn that person and say, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm fixing to get wild and I'm going to embarrass myself. Now, here's the thing, and we've talked about this. There's nothing magical about this. You do this at a ball game. You do this when your car crosses the finish line, Right? You can can get excited. So if you come to worship corporately and you don't raise your hands, it doesn't mean that you're not spiritual. But what I'm saying is, if if that's what God wants you to do, you should do it. Now, if you raise your hands because you want somebody to think you're spiritual, then that's just as bad as knowing that God wants you to raise them and you don't. Because what you're wanting to do is say, hey, everybody, look at me. I've got this wonderful relationship with God. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, look at me. So it goes both ways. The key thing is, is that when we come to worship, that we are transparent with God. What's going on in your life when you come here and when you're reading your scripture on your own at home and you're worshiping at home or during the week or however you do that, if you're driving in the car, song comes on, you're listening to a message, be transparent with God. You know, don't fight back the tears because you're afraid somebody might see you crying. Don't hold, don't, you know, I got to choke yourself. I got to, you know, I can't, I can't get all emotional. If, if you come here especially and God is moving in your life and, and you need to get emotional, then get emotional and let God have his way with you, right? So that's being transparent with God. When we stuff those feelings in, we're just kind of saying, well, God, I think I know you're doing with me, but I'm not going to do that. And that translates into not being real with God. So that when probably you go and you start praying to God, then all of a sudden you feel like, well, it's not the best example, but, you know, our relationship with humans is kind of the best thing we got. It's not perfect. So I hate to compare our human relationships with our relationship with God, but it's, it's kind of what we've got to compare it to. But just imagine 
in a relationship, whether it's husband, wife, or best friends, or a, a, a good uh, a relationship, to where you're not being transparent with each other in the relationship. If you're hiding stuff from your husband, or you're hiding stuff from your wife, or you're hiding stuff from your friend, and you're not telling them all the truth, but you just give them bits and pieces, does that not affect your human relationship with somebody? That if you know you're keeping something from somebody and then you're with them, there's this something that just makes you a little bit more reserved with them because you know inside you're not being completely honest. It's similar to that with God. In our, in our worship, if we're not being honest with Him and letting Him have our way, then when it comes prayer time, as we're praying, we think, well, you know, you may even feel a little guilty and you don't, then you don't want to pray because you feel guilty and... And God knows that I was holding back. And God knows that I'm not doing this. And then so maybe you don't pray the way that you should. Does that make sense? So to let God know that, hey, like David, I think, was saying, hey, it's just me. It's just me. I'm stripped down to stuff that would just be like a normal, regular person. And I think that's the way that God wants, us to, wants to see us. You may have a title. You may be the owner of a business. You may be a hotshot employee. You may... Who, who, who cares, right, in that context about all that? God sees you just for who you are. He knows who you are. So why should we not be transparent with Him in worship? And then the other thing is, I kind of mentioned a little bit is the idea of prayer. And I just, just ask you, um, do you speak your mind with God? And I think, I think we've, if you've been in church some, you've probably been led to believe that you can't really express yourself to God or it will be irreverent. You know, tell God that I'm angry with Him? Well, well won't He zap me? <laughs> you know, if I, if I say, God, I'm really angry with you, you know, will He zap me? Am I allowed to say that? Is that not blasphemy? Is that, am I, can I really do that? David did that. And there are other people in Scripture who do that. And I think we should be able to do that. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not talking about intentionally being irreverent. Certainly, I don't think you'd want to go as far to try and curse God. That probably wouldn't be very wise, right? But if you have feelings of anger or hurt, especially in your heart, and then you all of a sudden in your prayer life, you go before God and you become somebody else. And all of a sudden it's reverent, yes, thouest Lord the greatest in thine own eyes, who maketh the heavens and the earth. And thou art worthy to understand. I mean, you know, sometimes we feel like that we have to become somebody different in order for God to hear us. Again, not talking about intentionally being reverent. But don't you think if there are feelings in your heart and in your mind, doesn't God already know that if He's omniscient? Doesn't He already know how we're feeling? How freeing is it for us to go before God and say, God, you know I'm ticked right now. And you know this is going on. And I just want you to know, I don't like it. I don't think it's fair. But look at how David comes back around toward the end of that prayer in chapter 13. He says all that stuff, and then basically he says, Hey, but you're in control, and I know you know what's best, so I'm leaving it all with you. Now, that's a good way to do that, right? Because God is in control. But I wonder, do you pray that way to God? Are you honest with God? Are you transparent with Him? Or do you feel like that you need to somehow mask those feelings so that God will be pleased with you? You know, we're, as Christians, I don't know about you, as Christians, we're not always happy. 
Would you agree? I mean, I know I have a joy within me that, that sustains me, and there's nothing that can ultimately take that joy away. But on a day-to-day basis, emotionally, there are times when I'm just not happy. I get angry. I, I get upset. I get, I get happy and joyful. But it's not like, I mean, I know the song we used to say a long time in church, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You ever sing that one? Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. How you doing, sister? Right? And now, walk around, shake everybody's hand. How you doing? Oh, bless the Lord. It's going good. And then you go home and you and your wife are... Right? See, you've been there too. We're real people, right? So, I mean, you know, every day is just not like, Oh, this is the best day of my life. I'm so happy. But even in the circumstances, we can still know that God's in control. And there's a difference in that. But to to share those feelings with God, to share those great feelings with God. You know, when you're really happy and you see God doing great stuff in your life or see something else happen, you know God was a part of it. Do you get happy and do you just just thank Him for that? Do you tell Him thank you? You know, you wake up sometimes and say, Man, this is an awesome sunrise, God. Man, you did a great job. Thanks. To be able to share our feelings and be transparent with Him. Because if we're not, I believe if we're not transparent, we won't ever really feel like we have this passion for God like we see that David had. Because David just let it all hang out. And the Scripture referred to him as the man after God's own heart. So God didn't hold it against him. I was reading something uh, from a a guy named Reggie McNeil. It's a a book that he hasn't... He, he said this, he said, uh, when we are transparent, we are set free in God's presence to deal with the hardcore truth without fear of being misunderstood or suffering negative consequences for sharing our thoughts. And you know why I think when we, if we do hold back with God, you know why sometimes I think we do hold back with God? It's because of what I talked about a while ago. I think that we tried that with humans. And it just hasn't gone as well. You know, have, has somebody ever told you, really, just, really, just tell me what's on your heart. Just really, I mean, I, I want you to be honest with me. Just tell me what you're thinking. And you think, okay. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. And whoo, you whoop out this list and it comes down. And you just, you just, you just, blah, blah, here's here, 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 here. And when you finish, they say, well, I didn't know you had that kind of attitude. And then they hold that against you. Right? I think we've probably been burned because we've tried that with humans and it just hadn't worked the same a lot of times because we're not God. But, but God won't do us that way. You can get to the hard core truth of what's going on in your life and God's not going to say, Golly, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Man, you are messed up, <laughs> right? He's not surprised. He wants that relationship with us, and he wants us to be transparent. So, so are, are you transparent in your worship? Are you transparent in your prayers? And those are two just really big areas. And there are others, but those are two big areas, I think. If you feel like, well, I just, I just don't feel like I have a passion for God. I just don't, I, I don't know, I just don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel like, I see some people, and they're all excited. And I just don't feel that way. I know I'm a Christian, but I just don't feel it. 
Well, there might be a lot of stuff going on, but I would say take a check. Are you transparent with God? Or are you just kind of playing games and hiding from Him and pretending like things are great? That could be a reason. In your worship and in your prayer are two things. Well, here, here's what I want us to do as I, as I finish. Um, I want to give us all a chance uh, this morning to be transparent with God. Just one at a time, come up to the microphone. No, I'm just kidding. Anybody have a toga? We'll let you dance for a little bit. You can get it off your chest now because you know your wife ain't going to put up with it when you get home. Just kidding. I want to give us a chance to, to be transparent. And, and if you do this, again, I always say, if you just close your eyes, not because that is, makes you more holy, but if you can close your eyes, you can kind of shut out anything that might want to distract you. So there's nothing magical about closing your eyes to God. You can pray with your eyes open if you want to, but usually if you close your eyes, you can kind of shut out some distractions that might uh, be around you so you can focus in on God. So here's what I want you to do. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way or anything like that, so just, just trust me on, on this. But here's what I'd like for you to do. Two different things. One, always, this is at the top of the list. There may be somebody here this morning, and you're not transparent with God according to salvation, and, and you know, and maybe you're just playing the game. You may come to church on a regular basis. You may go through all the motions. You may put on all the stuff and know the words to say and the things to do to make people think that you have a relationship with God. But you know deep down in your heart that you're not being transparent with God. If that's you this morning, you need to deal with that right now. There's not a better time than now. And just let God know that you know that you're just putting on airs and that you want to drop all of that, that you want to really believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and ask Him to forgive you and ask Him to guide your life in the way that He knows that it should go. And you can, in those kind of words, I'm just going to give you a minute to do that. If, if you prayed that in some way, if, if today that you've made that decision, you want to believe in Jesus and you just did that, please let us know before you leave. Now, here's the other thing, as always. There are other people here who are already Christians, but I would just challenge you. Take, take just a minute, and maybe like David said in his prayer, would you just pray to God, God, search me. Search my heart, God. Are there things going on in me that, that I'm hiding from you? Things that are keeping me from being transparent. Just, just let God kind of deal with you the next few minutes. And you may want to... Um, just pray this. You know, these words are, again, not magical, but maybe just to give you a, a guide of something uh, that, that you could uh, voice before God. Um, there may be something, let's just, just something right now. Maybe there's something right now going on in your life, and you know that you've not been transparent with God about it. Just take a second and just, just let God know what that is and how you feel about it. Be real with Him.
And then I'll just close with this, and you may want to repeat this, this prayer or something similar in your heart. God, I want to be passionate about you. There are other things in my life that I know that I can get excited about. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with those. And I thank you for being able to let me be a part of those things and to enjoy life. But God, I want to have a real passion for you. And Lord, I pray that you help me to be transparent with you. Don't let me stuff things away, pretend that things don't exist. Don't let me portray that I'm happy when inside I'm falling apart. Don't let me be reserved when you want me to celebrate. Lord, just help me to be transparent and let that transfer into my life as just having this open clear relationship with you and Lord we know that that passion is not something that we muster up on our own but that desire and that passion comes as we just really more and more understand who you are and what you've done for us and how much you love us and when we're not transparent that stuff just gets kind of cloudy sometimes so God uh, today I pray that you just Let me know your passion. Let me be transparent. Lord, I don't want to be like David, but I want to be like him in the way that he was passionate for you and just not afraid and doesn't really care what other people thought as he was celebrating you. So, Lord, just instill that in my heart. And I thank you that that you're the creator of passion. Lord, I thank you that You set the example a long time ago by showing us that you loved us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die for us. And that was awesome, and we thank you for that. So today, Lord, as as I go throughout this day, continue to show me things that I'm not clear with you about or transparent, and open my eyes to the things that I can celebrate you in the ways that I can let others see how good you are, not to show me off, but to show you off. And just thank you for that, Lord. I know that you hear me and look forward to what you will continue to do in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.